Let's talk sports and welcome to the grind. And good Thursday to you and welcome inside the Property Squad Studios of WKVL and Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Thursday edition, man. Thursday is uh, is one of those days. It's it's not necessarily Monday, but it's sure not Friday. No, I, I look at the week and there's there's Monday, there's second Monday, and then Wednesday and then second Wednesday, and then Friday. And that's how I look at it. <laughs> I always say that Tuesday, I feel like, is like the 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 most, I don't want to say non-influential, because that's why there's Taco Tuesday, but um, it uh-huh. is one of the lesser, like, you're like, man, it's so close to Monday, and it's so far away from Friday. So it's really, ooh. So yeah. Tuesday's probably like the least favorite day, but Thursday is like Friday Eve, Friday Eve a little bit, but, uh, you know, I think in times like today, it's, I don't know, it's it's like I went back to third shift for a while. It's like I don't know what day it is. I saw a meme that it had all of the beginnings of the days of the week marked out, and it just said day for every day. <laughs> That's about exactly how it is right now. I mean, it's straight up. I don't it's, even know what day it is. I mean, I do just because I have to post it on social media like the show <laughs> and stuff, but other than that, I'm not sure... Uh, that that that's the case, but man, got a good show today. Going to talk about some new old uniforms, and then we're <laughs> going to talk a little bit about the the baseball situation with Arizona, and then uh, kind of zinger late last night. Freddie baseball uh, hit me up, and and, and is going to call in today, and has a really cool take on uh, yesterday was was the anniversary of of Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Ah, no kidding. And uh, so there were, he knows of a Maryville man he has since passed. But that was there for Babe Ruth's final home run and Hank Aaron breaking this record. That's awesome. Maybe, according to, to Freddie, and again, I have no reason to dispute it, one of the only people to say that. I could see that. that. I, I mean, well, it's just kind of abstract, because especially back in the in the Babe Ruth days, travel yeah. to get up there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so... I want to talk to Freddie a little bit, but we're going to do that about 6.20. So, again, stay tuned if that's something you want to talk about. And I'm sure I'm going to hook Freddie on our discussion about the Arizona baseball. That's a good idea. Like, I, I just – like, I've got all kinds of ideas. Like, you want to drum it up. You know, everybody needs to be Arizona Braves. Everybody needs to be the Arizona Yankees. Uh, and I have what, opinions on that, it, too. It's funny. It's it's interesting. And, and honestly – in in a world with no sports, creativity is 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 appreciated. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. But let's jump right into these uniforms. Like so, over the last couple of days, Tampa Bay has released their new uniforms, which were throwbacks to their to their what was it? Oh one Super Bowl championship. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and you know what, what? As soon as I saw them, I thought Warren Sapp. Oh, absolutely. That's the, that's the the image I that thought, came to my I head. I thought John Lynch. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but you know, it's kind of same goes, but. You know, you look and you're like, sure, it fits. This side of looking like Johnny Depp in, in Pirates of the Caribbean, you're not going to get any more pirate than that. That's true. Honestly, I thought their jerseys that they had been wearing were pretty jacked. I mean, they were they were like the Minnesota Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons threw up on them. Yes. 
I mean, they That's were ter- good, they good were terrible, and the font was maybe worse. Yeah, I didn't care for them. But uh, you know, it's one of those things you try. It's it's that whole creativity thing. You, you jump out there and you're like, man, we're about to start this big trend, and then next thing you know, nobody's doing it. Mm-mm. Nobody's doing it. Well, anyway, they have you know they've since kind of you know they they figured it out. Well, so they went back in new new look Tampa Bay, <laughs> new Tom Brady look. He's going to get to go back to the Super Bowl level. Tony Dungy, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Lord of mercy, he's head coach of the Raiders right now. I'm oh, Gruden. Gr- yeah, John Gruden. Uh, look, Chucky. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I, The cool thing is, is they kept the bigger logo on the helmet. Did you notice that? No, I didn't look at the helmet that much. I was busy looking at the rest of it. Right. The rest well, of it looks good. They they didn't change the helmet very much from the now. Does it still have the TV on the side? Yeah, yeah, but it's the big flag. Okay. The big Buccaneer flag. You know, used to it was kind of the the standard, like, fit. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the, I don't know what you call it, like half, like where it kind of covers half. But, no, it's the huge uh, Buccaneer That's flag, cool. which I like. I'm okay with that. Uh, I thought that was an upgrade on the last ones, but but they went back. I thought it was interesting. They had a they have an all gray one. See, I, that's the old the old new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that one as much. Well, I just think it just looks kind of cheap. It, well, it's it reminds me of the the color rush mm-hmm. where they just said, you know what, we're gonna make it sound really cool, and we're just gonna give you one color. Yeah, right. And roll with it. And yeah. if you're all white, sorry about your luck. Right. But uh, but I you know I don't care for the all the all gray no. like if they would have put a lot more effort into putting the red and the orange on it yes like you know what I'm saying like thicker you know like Tennessee did with the the smoky grays they went with a really thick stripe on the I side okay. or whatever or if you'd have, you'd have came down and, and I don't know like had a stripe with something in it yeah you know what I'm saying but they they didn't but at the same to- at the same point. I would venture to say that's going to be a far and few between combination. Yeah, probably. They'll probably use the dark pants with the white jerseys, or they'll use the the red jerseys with the dark pants, but you won't see much of of the all grays. It was just an option to throw out there, kind of like what we're going to talk about with Atlanta. But uh, but I think I think Tampa Bay went better. I think Tampa Bay went better just because, like I said, they they were cookie cutter. Like CFL teams were laughing at them. <laughs> you know how bad that is. Like when you've got a team named the Eskimos or the the uh, the the what what Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which that one's a pretty cool one. Saskatchewan, yeah, Saskatchewan. No, you got you almost got to say it with your mouth stayed open. A, yeah, <laughs> a. Anyway, we're we're crossing all boundaries here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but no, I thought Tampa Bay really stepped it up. I thought they they went back to what they knew was good. It's like the Jaguars. You know, go back to what you know works. Because as soon as I saw the, the the new old Jaguars, it was MJD. I went, wow, or Mark Brunel or, yeah. or any of those guys. Uh, so I, I feel like that's a that's a fad that's kind of working right now. And uh, the next one we're going to talk about kind of went that way, but kind of not. The Falcons. Like I'm I'm torn because I really didn't like the the old Falcons. Like, I was a all-black jersey, red helmet, like, throwback. Like, when they wore their throwbacks is when I liked the Falcons unis. I thought the helmet was always cool, and they really didn't mess with that very much. I thought it was cool they went to flat black with the logo on it and then the chrome helmet or the chrome face guard. Did you see yeah. that? Like, I thought those were, were nice touches to the helmet. Um, 
Some people would agree. Some people may not. But uh, the uniforms, <laughs> I'm a m- minimalist in some ways, and I was just like, again, I don't know about this one. This one was like a hybrid. It was throwback because it went to more of a solid color. The The font went back to more of a traditional. Everything kind of went back a little. But they, uh, I don't know, they put ATL right above the numbers, and then the, the outline of the numbers is really faint. It almost looks like, uh, you know, like throwback Russell Athletic starter version <laughs> jerseys. Yeah, I when I first saw them, which – Atlanta's one of those teams that I, their uniforms, they were always just okay for me. Mm. But for this change, when I looked at them, the first thing I saw was one block color, one block color, and then their helmet. Yeah. It, they, they just, there's no, it didn't tie together to me like the, the, the way the Tampa Bay uniforms did. Mm. And so for me, I just, it. So, so two mm. things I really didn't like. Like, I love the helmet. Like, I'm yeah, a the helmet, helmet looks good. I'm a helmet guy. Which, by the way, have you seen our, our Tony Iruly Carson Newman helmet up there? Nice. Yeah, it came in yesterday. Pretty sweet. But uh, anyway, I thought the helmet was nice. I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a plain Jane kind of guy, and and I'm a keep your helmet alone, like leave it alone. That's a Tennessee thing, you know. You just don't mess with the helmet. Yeah. But I thought what they did was nice. I, I don't know that I would have went with the aluminum or or whatever colored face guard that's just a little heavy for me i would have went just flat black with with a black grill and then the shiny logo and it would have been mean looking yeah but i can i can appreciate the helmet like it's pretty cool but now the jerseys i feel like they were trending in a good direction and then just stayed cheap because the font if you really look at it a lot of their their like sevens and and their twos and different things like that have that falcon wing teardrop mm-hmm. to it, which I think is really cool. I mean, it's like the Vikings. Like yes. I, I love the way their their font works. I, I love you know it kind of has that swoosh with it. You know, I, I like the way other teams do things like Michigan State. They're they're kind of cut letters. I, I like that, but they kind of left the border off the the numbers, and I'm just like. That's going to be really cool up close, and people are going to buy them based on novelty. Like, I'm going to wear one, but they're going to look terrible on the field. It's going to be hard yeah. to read. It's going to be just kind of plain Jano because they're, they're piped in red, but it's like, I mean, we're talking like a couple millimeters of pipe, and so you're not going to see it from the stands. No, not, not from where we're watching. From. And then what did you think about the gradient jerseys, the red fade to black? See, that's another one where it. I thought it was a rugby uniform. Well, it, it looked. It rough. makes me think of that Jaguars helmet where they tried to do that bronze fade to black, and that doesn't work. It just doesn't look right, and I don't. I, I don't know what you're. Tra- you need to, what they need to do is they need to have some kind of test audience. Yeah. Find somebody that. You know, Samuel L. Jackson's a huge Atlanta Falcons fan. Get him in there because he'll tell you really quick whether he likes it or not. And then that's where you start with. With some explicitives. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he'll he'll say, you know, you need to get these blank, blank things off this blank, blank thing. That's right. And that's how that goes. I, I, I like the idea of changing uniforms when you do it correctly. And I think Tampa Bay did because they built it up. They knew that they had a uniform that people didn't really care for that much. And what do you do? Hey, 
let's throw it back and make a uniform when we were when we were it, you know, when we had a great team. And they we were a, it. They were. And 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 they did it and it, it gets positive results and I think I, I think you're gonna see especially with Tom Brady coming in, I think you're gonna see like a Tennessee Oilers to the Tennessee Titans kind of change. I think you're gonna see that big of a shift because when they became the Titans and they got the new logo and I think they got a new stadium too, didn't they? Yeah. Well, All in the of. same year. And boom, that team went from nothing to awesome in one season. Now there, you know, maybe some changes in there too, whatnot, but that was those are the big ones. And I think you're gonna see that with Tampa Bay. Atlanta, maybe not so much, because it, you know, you come on the heels of Tampa Bay changing theirs and it was like an afterthought. Like, oh, look what we did too. We're cool. I yeah. Well, in Atlanta, you know, I was a really a minority in that situation. There was a lot of people that loved Atlanta's uniforms. They didn't bother me. You know, it's I, I liked them better than I liked Tampa Bay's. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like I can't think of one I disliked more. <laughs> no. No, I'm not thinking of one. Like even the Browns, you know, college look, you know, with the the Cleveland across. Yeah. And that's almost what I got out of Atlanta. Is why why do you put ATL? Like, did, did more letters cost more money? Definitely. You, you know what I'm saying? I, like, I wonder I if it's a throwback to, like, maybe – because everybody refers to Atlanta as ATL. The airports, ATL, you know. Oh, no, no, no. It makes sense. I mean, that's the abbreviation for Atlanta. Yeah. But, I mean – Well, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. What's the I, point? Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like those people that, uh, you know, call Thompson Bowling TBA. I do it. But I try at most points to call it Thompson Bowling because there's, you know, there's not a guy named T and a guy named B mm-hmm. that that wants to be talked about. It's Thompson Bowling Arena, Let's right? Word make I don't call it in Stadium, <laughs> Neyland Stadium. You know, I, I don't I don't do that. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm like put Atlanta, you know, on the red that fade to black. Put Dirty Birds, you know. There that would be cool. There would have been all kinds. I mean, like it. I'm in. I am sitting here at six to seven in the morning in Maryville. And I'm thinking of these creative ways. These guys get paid good money. I know a guy that's in the IT department for the Atlanta Falcons, and he gets paid bank. Now, granted, he's got to be on call 24-7, and he gets calls from, like, players that just don't know how to use a cell phone. Have you tried turning it off and turning it on again? Yeah, yeah, he's one of those uh, turn notifications off. Call me back. (laughs) (laughs) But – Anyway, anyway, I just I, some of these things kind of kind of blow my mind. Like Tampa, they did a great job because I was I literally like got to where I just when I turn it on, I'd be like I wouldn't look at the score first. I wouldn't look at what my fantasy players are doing. I'd go, God, those are ugly. The red ones were terrible. Yeah, I wasn't a like fan the of red with the brown sleeve things, and then the numbers were yellow and white, and it, uh, and then the white ones weren't any better because it's just like they looked. They looked ugly and cheap. You know what I'm saying? Like the the red ones look like, wow, they had really nice fabric and nothing to do with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the white ones were just like, oh, well, that's the cheap version. But uh, anyway, anyway, I got to thinking last night, and this was kind of where I'm going with all this because we got a couple minutes and going to take a break. With all these people revitalizing uniforms, you know, the, I, I guess there's a conversation of who's two teams, and we'll kind of do this shotgun style like quick. Two teams that better not touch their uniforms and two teams that, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea since everybody's doing it to jump on board and get, get something out there. And, and and my thing, real quick, I know one of your leave them alone uh, deals, uh, but I'm going to say two teams, 
Do not mess with with the uniforms. And I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, don't mess with the Cowboys. Get out of my head. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you one that I just really like. I, I think it's they've got a combination that's just every version of it is good looking. Baltimore Ravens. Don't mess with them. Now there's other ones like I. I'm a Broncos fan. I love our uniforms. Don't mess with them. The navies are great. The orange jerseys with navy pants are great. You can do any combination, and they're good. Don't mess with those. But I'm just saying, like, don't get cute when you've got something good. The most recognizable uniforms in 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 sports probably are the Yankees and the Cowboys, and, and then and yeah. then the the Ravens just. I mean, they just hit a grand slam off the jump. Yeah. I mean, when I they agree. when they built that team, it was perfect. Yeah, what they, would you say? I, I of course the Cowboys. That was one of the first ones because that star, the white, because they wear their white uniforms at home. You know, yeah, anywhere they'll let them do. On yeah, the right. yeah, and it's that's just iconic. And then of course the other one is the Steelers. You know, just don't don't mess with them. You wouldn't be opposed. Would you be opposed to them putting a sticker on the other side of the helmet? Absolutely not. I just feel like I've, you would not be opposed to that. Oh no no no! I mean, like they better not. Oh, see, you need to. No. Nah. Like, it, well, or, or put your number on that other side. I just feel like I've I see people walking all crooked head because <laughs> I mean it's just unbalanced. There's just all kinds no, of problems there. Don't touch it. So okay, on the flip side of it, since we obviously don't agree there, uh, where what are some teams like? And you may not have two. I mean, you may not. Who are two teams that you're like? Do something better. One of them is Seattle. Really? You and don't like it? It's not that I don't like it. I think that they could do more. It's I don't think they need to mess with the helmet. The helmet, no, the helmet like looks epic. good. I, I don't like the way that their shoulders they cut up kind of yeah. like Atlanta. I don't I don't care for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that they could do more, especially with that colors that they have. I think they could get a little more flashy with it. And then oh, let's see, who's another one that I think I'll tell you one that just redid their uniforms and I'd say redo them again. The Rams. Yeah, I'd say, hey, chalk that up. Go back to the drawing board. That yeah, that's because they they literally well, they no. literally that one logo looks like a Charger logo. See, and that's that was the other one I was thinking of. The Chargers, the Chargers, Chargers. I just I I don't know that they need to mess with the helmet so much. It's again, it's the color the color scheme on their their jersey jersey that I think they could work with. See, I was gonna go with the uh, the Cardinals. Like yeah. I, I don't know what you do with it. <laughs> Again, it's kind of like Atlanta. It's a bird. It's red. Where, where you go? I don't know. But they they have a really good black uniform. I like they, the black. They uniform. have, but they they only have one helmet. So I think they need to just kind of tweak that on that one with the red bird on. In, it. in my opinion, you go to a red helmet. You know, because that's a little different. That's a little different. And then then the other one, and just because they've been the same way and been bad for so long, kind of change of pace, change of identity. The Bengals. Yeah, figure it out. Put some chrome on the helmet. You don't necessarily you see, have to mess with the helmet. When you said the helmet for uh, Arizona, the first thing I thought of was do what Louisville does or Baylor. Or Put something a like chrome that. Yeah, yeah. out there with a bird on the side. That'd be cool. Yeah, or do like a Baylor thing and do a silver. The Bengals could put Tiger King on the side of theirs. Sweet. <laughs> that <laughs> man, I about said it. I was going <laughs> to say that. Beep, Carol Baskin. <laughs> But anyway, I have not watched that show, but I, that is a running. Oh, you need to. It's that is wild. a running joke at my house. If anything gets turned over, spilled, because I got a five and a seven year old, it happens on the rig. If anything gets spilled, 
It's that Lady Carol Baskin's fault. Yeah, that's hurts. what happens. She but did let's, it. let's get to a break. When we come back, Freddie Baseball going to talk a little baseball with us. You're listening to the Thursday edition of the Grind on 104.9 FM, 8:50 AM, and streaming at wkvl.com. We'll be right back. Your hometown alternative to ordinary sports radio, 100.9 FM. 8.50 a.m. Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Traditions can tie us to timeless values that bind us together. Traditions remind us of what's good in life. Traditions can be simple, like going to Rule King and getting buttery popcorn or coffee while shopping with your family. Or they can be profound, like going to Easter Sunday service together every year. This year, Rule King will be going back to our traditions. Rule King stores will be closed on Easter Sunday to allow our associates to spend the day with their family and friends. Happy Easter from Rural King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. This announcement from the Knox Area Rescue Ministries. Carm Stores is taking action to protect donors, customers, volunteers, and team members amidst the COVID-19 situation. In accordance with Executive Order 23 by the Governor of Tennessee, all donation centers and retail operations are closed until the order has expired. Please keep all your items for donation until our donation locations are able to reopen. Your continued support is essential to helping us continue to serve the homeless and those in need in the Knox area. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Thursday edition. Well, as we promised there, going out of the break, Freddie Baseball on the phone. And, and Freddie, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. It's early, but I'm here. Hey, that's, <laughs> that's our thing. That's, that's how you start the grind. You just get up early. Yep. <laughs> 
But but Freddie, I kind of get that. Did you get that rain? Did you get all that rain last night? We got some rain. We didn't get all the 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 heavy storms and things that I think a lot of people were were wanting. Uh, I I put my my seat cushions. I put the flowers up. I I was ready, but uh, that's usually when nothing happens. I got sideways rain in Clinton. Do what now? We did not get anything in Clinton. Zero. Wow, that is crazy. Wow, talk about a storm system moving specific. That's 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 crazy. Yeah, we had we got sideways rain. I got lucky. I anchored the uh, trampoline a couple days ago, and I'm glad mm-hmm. I did because it would have taken lift off last night. Oh, I had a terrible right. story of a neighbor. They had one of those that had the canopy around it. You know, the little like little playhouse where you can kind of do what you want. Yeah, and it literally came up, flipped over, and crushed one panel of their fence. Wow! And he watched it. He said it went straight up, turned. All the way 180, and then just came straight down as hard as it could. Man, he should have ran out there and caught it. What was, was like, he doing? I was like, "Did you take a video?" He goes, "No, I didn't take a video." I was like, "Well, <laughs> I mean, you got to get that." But anyway, Freddie uh, kind of gave a little uh, a little background to Jeff there off the air uh, that that you and I read the story last night on Facebook. You have got a story about yesterday's anniversary of Hank Aaron's home run that is uh, is very Blunt County. And is very yes. very cool. A fellow named uh, Lloyd Eagle, who was from Pennsylvania. He actually grew up with my grandfather in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. They were best friends for probably twenty five years. Anyway, Lloyd uh, moved to Blunt County in nineteen forty six. He worked for Alcoa, and he had worked for Alcoa many years in Pittsburgh, and he moved down here when they were expanding the North Plant after World War II. He, he was involved in what we would now call uh, human resources. But anyway, back in uh, 1964, when I first met him, we were still living in Pennsylvania at the time, the Philadelphia area. I was about 10 years old. And he and my grandfather had actually gotten reacquainted after both of their wives had died. And he came to see us. This was in September of 1964. He was telling me the story. I was a big baseball fan back then. That he had been in attendance at Forbes Field in 1935 when Babe Ruth hit his final home runs. He actually hit three home runs on May 25, 1935. That's uh, a way to go out, right? So... As the years went on, and actually uh, the Lloyd Eagle connection is one reason I ended up coming to Maribel College years later because my grandfather used to love coming down here in the fall and everything. And one thing led to another. But when Hank Aaron began to pursue that record, uh, Lloyd, of course, got real interested. And he was in attendance at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium on April 8th, 1974, to watch Aaron break the record, which means that he is believed to be the only person to have ever witnessed Babe Ruth's final home run uh, and the home run that Hank Aaron hit to break his record. That's that's amazing. uh, Go ahead. I said that's amazing. I mean, just to, just to to be timely enough to do that, you know, because I mean, it's not like you knew. I mean, maybe the way yeah, Aaron that's was the kicker is you don't like. It's not like you yeah, don't know. Maybe Aaron was swinging the bat to where you knew 
he was right there, and 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 within a game or two, you could probably get it. But I mean, if he's living in Blunt County, he traveled. He went down there uh, to to hopefully see Hank Aaron break yeah. the record, and for it yeah, to actually let me, happen. Let me, let me tell you what he did. He um he went down the final to Atlanta the final week of the nineteen seventy three season because. Um, and Aaron hit a couple home runs that week. He got up to, what, 7-13, hit his final home run against the Astros on that last Saturday of the regular season. And he had a chance to tie it the, uh, the next day, but, but he didn't. Of course, they had to wait till the next year. But he went down. He had some friends who lived in the Atlanta area. And Lloyd was about 84 years old at the time. And he, he actually went to a lot of Braves games over the years. He was a big Braves fan. Used to listen to him on the radio. But he went down. He spent the week. And actually, one night, uh, he was actually, this was back first back before the games were televised on, on TBS. He was actually interviewed by uh, Milo Hamilton and Ernie Johnson on a Braves broadcast during a, a rain delay. Really? And, uh, of course, Aaron did not tie the record. So when the next season started, 1974, of course, they, they played that first weekend in Cincinnati, which is when Aaron uh, tied the record in that, in that opening game, uh, hit a home run off of um, Jack Billingham. But he went down. The Braves' home opener was that Monday, April 8th. So he went down, and he was in the stadium uh, that night. And um, somewhere in the bowels of my house, um, I've got the uh, copy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which actually ran a feature story in the next day's paper, that Tuesday paper, uh, about the Aaron story. And he was also interviewed on, on local TV down there. So he became, a, he became an Atlanta uh, celebrity on a sidebar through, uh, through all this activity that, that week. I'll tell you, and, and you know, being a fan of, of something, you, you, you go through all the all the facets, right? You you see the greats, you see obviously he, he got that opportunity, but he had to be there through the rough times too. And and to get that oh, yeah. get that fanhood. So uh for for that to, to kinda happen and then you, you told me uh, that happened in seventy four, correct? Right. And 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 then and then Mr. Eagle uh, passed away in '77, so right there at the tail end of his of of his life, man, he's still just he's just plugging away, being a great fan and uh, and wanting to be there. You know, it, in those even today, it would be an act of I mean, an act of Congress to to set up and go down and stay somewhere for a week and and go to ball games just to see a record broken. But I mean, he did. Right. He made it happen. That's awesome. That's dedication. Well, he was a he was a loyal fan. Uh, he had he had uh, he had been a widower, and uh, of course, I I spent some time over there at his home, uh, my early years at Maryville College because uh, of the you know my grandfather's connection, and I'd go over there, and he would every night during the baseball season uh, sit down after dinner and. Uh, Turn on the radio and live. Uh, listen to the Braves broadcast. And back then, they they were aired on uh, the old WSCV FM out of Sevierville, which is now the 
the 102.1 frequency. Oh wow! And he would and he would listen to every game. I don't know if you remember Ernie Johnson used to talk about uh, uh, older fans who planned their days around Braves baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, Lloyd was like that, and uh, he would always he would always listen to the Braves in the evening uh, unless there was a, a a national game on TV like the the Monday night game. Right, and I remember actually when I first uh, graduated from college in '76, I lived with him for a couple of months before I got my own apartment. This was in '76, and the Braves were not a very good team that year. He'd listen to them every night, <laughs> and right. they'd maybe have two or three thousand fans in the stands down there, and they weren't going anywhere. But he would still listen to them every night, unless they were playing on the West Coast. Right, and then it was just super late. But uh, but Freddie, right. you were in college when all this went down with Hank Aaron. What 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 was it like uh, being a sports guy and, and and being in the mix? You know, to to see a record that had been held up for a long time kind of come to a close, well, and and for it to be for a Brave. Right. Well, of course, of course, I was, was real interested in baseball back then. I was a fan. I you kept the stats for the the uh, Maryville College baseball team. Uh, my roommate. Guy named Bob Lagarde from uh, Abingdon, Virginia. He was a big Braves fan, and uh, and he was another one of these guys who uh, he'd stay up, listen to the games at night in the dorm. Uh, he probably spent more time doing that than on his studies, but that's a that's another story. Right. But I mean, there, there was a lot of there was a lot of interest, obviously, on on. Uh, what was what was happening because the the Babe Ruth record was always uh, the seven fourteen record was always one that everyone said would never be uh, broken. And uh, if you actually go back um, go, during the um, early seventies, a lot of people thought that if Ruth's record was ever going to be broken. Uh, it would have been done so by Willie Mays. Uh, Willie Mays was the um, the leading uh, active player in the home run race uh, at that stretch. And actually, if the Giants had remained in New York and not gone to San Francisco, hitting there at the Polo Grounds, he probably would have eventually uh, broken. Ruth's record, but I can remember the Braves were playing the Mets. We were living in northern New Jersey then. This is back in 1970, 71, and uh, Hank Aaron hit a home run. He was a star of the game. He was being interviewed uh, on the post-game show, the old Ralph Kiner show, Kiner's Corner. And um, I remember, I guess it was Willie May. I'm sorry, Willie Mays hit a home run. They were talking about, well, Willie, do you think you're ever going to break the roof record? He said, no, I don't think I am, but watch out for Hank Aaron. Oh, wow. A little, and little, uh, and, and that was the first indication coming from Willie Mays that, that Aaron could do it. And, of course, he went on a binge there in the early 70s where he was averaging between 40 and 44 home runs a year. I guess he never did hit more than 44 which was ironic because that was his um, his baseball number number. But, <laughs> That's a uh, lot. I, 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 I remember thinking back on it. Uh, 
Mays was saying this three or four years before he actually before Aaron actually broke the record. So he was kind of a prophet on that. Right, and, and you know, Freddie, and and you know the talks of you know. Uh, what what baseball has become, you know, the, the loaded bats, the loaded baseballs, all that jazz. That's what makes the, the, the older record special is because these cats were just ball players. They just had they just had that niche, that hand eye coordination to just turn on one and it was gonna go the other way a really long way. And and, and I think that's what makes you know, anybody can break records now and, and you know, they, they get a they get a sweet spot or they get a special this made or a special that made and they can turn on them. But I'll tell you, there's just something special about just a guy hammering away, you know, no pun intended, but hammering away 44 home runs a year on a, on a, you know, a pretty just steady, you know, basis. And, and, and we look back and baseball wasn't, you know, yeah, he was probably the talk of the town at some rate, but this wasn't, he wasn't a, a multi multi millionaire in the seventies. He's just going to work. Right, right, and and the game was simpler back then. You didn't have all the the weight work that you do now. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was I was going back uh, on Facebook last night and came across um, uh, an interview that Joe Garagiola did with Aaron the night the pregame show that night on uh, on April eighth and. Uh, one of the um, the aspects that was really helpful to Aaron was he had very powerful wrists. Uh, he liked to hit with his wrist, and and Gradiola asked, "Well, how did you how did you get those powerful wrists?" He said, "When I was growing up, and this was back in the I guess the forties, when I guess a lot of people still had ice boxes." He said he used to get to have to get the tongs, go down, uh, get the tongs, go down to the ice truck, and, and uh, pick up these uh, these uh, chunks of ice and take them up to his uh, mother's house. And so that's how he got a lot of his uh, his wrist strength. That's crazy. And, uh, uh, I mean, you don't, you don't hear a lot of stuff like that today, but uh, but he, I mean, he had very powerful wrists and very powerful arms. I mean, you could see that while he was being interviewed. Uh, yeah. He had a lot of arm strength, and obviously that paid off. Right, and it's funny, you know, uh, anytime you mention Babe Ruth, and this just it speaks to my age, Freddie, so so forgive me a little bit. Anytime they they talk about Babe Ruth and records, and and of course there's a you know there's a there's a a reverence that's put with Babe Ruth, but I think of two movies. The Sandlot, you know, that's a some good one. some some lady named Baby Ruth signed this baseball, and then and right, then another right. one was the movie Sixty One. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not seen that one. No, it's no, a it, it's a Billy Crystal film. I'll put both of you on the spot. You need to watch it. But it's about the Sixty One season where Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle chase Babe Ruth's single season home run record, and it just right. talks about in that time. And I mean, even I think. To a certain extent today, there's just a weight of Babe Ruth all over baseball. And it's just a matter of, you know, even even going through record books today, oh, he just passed Babe Ruth third all-time in this now. And, and I mean, we're talking it's 2020. Hmm. And there's just right. been all this evolution in the game of baseball. But but it's just it's funny, you know, just kind of sitting back at this time of the year and, and, you know, the situation we're in, it's just funny, you know, to kind of – 
tie the two together. A great uh, anniversary yesterday in Hank Aaron. Uh, you know, that that just was a you, – you, you look at the – the video footage where the fans pretty much went out on the field with him and kind of helped mm-hmm. him trot around, and, and there's just those cool moments. And just how it didn't matter what else was going on in the in the world because there was some rough stuff happening that time of the year, but it was almost like in Atlanta, in the South, it came it came full circle and did some great things for, for people. And I think, you know, we look at it, and it's kind of weird timing, but we need that again. Yeah, that's You know, point. we need something to come through like that again. Right. And, uh, of course, uh, when the Braves were playing at uh, Turner Field, uh, the old stadium across the street had been torn down, but they still had the the outline of the infield and outfield in the parking lot. And uh, I can remember we'd, uh, we'd go down there a few times and I'd, uh, with my son, and uh, we'd always uh, we'd, we'd have a catch between the pitcher's mound and, and home plate there in the parking lot. And uh, I, always, I always got a big kick out of that all the times that, that I have been to Atlanta Stadium. I actually went to a game, I guess, a couple weeks after he had hit that home run. And um, it was just kind of special. You could still see the flag that they had painted on the outfield there from from that opening night, it it was still there in late April, and it just you just kind of felt like you were in a very historical location. And even now, of course, I haven't been down that way now in a few years, but it, even now, it kind of felt like a shrine. And I'm I know they've talked about uh, Georgia State. Of course, the old Turner Field is now uh, Georgia State's football stadium, right? But they've talked about. Uh, Turning the um, the parking lot across the street there, the old stadium site, into a, a park setting where they put a regular baseball field out there again. I'm not sure where they are on that, but I think that would be great because that really is a a special place in the history of baseball, really the history of sports and the history of the country. Yeah, I know, and and that needs to be that needs to stick around. You know, I know it's always it's you know. Uh, you know, paint paradise and put up a parking lot kind of kind of situation that we're in and parking. I mean, when they tore down Stokely over here in Knoxville, I thought my father-in-law was going to go. I, th- I thought he was just going to like quit watching sports. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, he would he would yeah. go. He he lives in Newport and he would go like every third day and just see what had been torn down and see yeah. what what was going on. And then when when they finally broke through the wall and you could see, you know, where the basketball hoops were and and the kind of incline. Like it broke him down pretty hard. So no, to yeah. be able to revitalize or bring some of that back would be awesome. And and you know it's cool because you know when I, I went to Raleigh or Raleigh Durham area in North Carolina one time and and got taken by where the 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 Durham Bulls original stadium was, mm-hmm. and, and it's mm-hmm. just really cool. That would be awesome. It's right. just really cool. But but Freddie, let's let's get to a break. I want to hang on to you if you're okay with it. I'd like to talk yeah, to you fine. about what you think about this Arizona League uh, of Major oh, League I have Baseball. All kinds of opinions on that. Awesome, <laughs> yeah. awesome. Well, let's get to oh, a break. Let's get to a break. Listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, Freddie Baseball, Jeffy Mack, and myself grind it out about what baseball's new look in 2020 could have impact on fans, have impact on leagues, and is it a good idea? We'll talk about it on the flip. You're listening to the grind. 100.9 FM, 8:50 AM, and streaming wkvl.com we'll be right back
Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. This is Alex Melvin, CEO of Rural King. Livestock is essential to America. Rural King is working hard to provide your essential livestock supplies. You can buy online at RuralKing.com and pick up in store. Rural King is open from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. with the first hour reserved for our customers over 60 and we insist no more than one adult per cart shopping at any time. God bless all of you and God bless our country. Rural King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses, as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind, not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre and Freddie Baseball on the telephone talking a little sports. But uh, as we as we kind of finish up this Thursday edition, Freddie and Jeff, 
here to talk a little bit about the the proposed, and I don't know the how how big of proposal it is, uh, but for baseball to get back underway sooner rather than later and do so in the state of Arizona for everybody. I I don't like it. <laughs> Freddie don't like it. And and well, let me let me let me go on. Oh, I was gonna say, give me give me some give me some reasons. Well, number one, in August in Arizona, the temperature gets up to about 125 degrees. That could be. I know they're talking about playing games in Chase Field where it's air conditioned, but they want to play at all these college stadiums and 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 uh, minor league ballparks. But you got that issue. Uh, You're not going to have any fans. That's the key. And my question is, of course, I don't like the concept of not playing without fans. I mean, the fans help make it. But from an economic standpoint, how uh, how are they afford to do this? I mean, fans have to pay to help pay the salaries. Fr- Freddie's in my head. And unless unless the players' association is going to waive that, I, I I just don't think it's workable. Plus, quarantining the players and motels and hotels. I mean, come on, guys, let's let's be realistic about this. Yeah, I want to see baseball back more than than anybody. But um, you look at what's going on with the cities right now. New York, Philadelphia is a hot spot now. Uh, Detroit, I I I, I want baseball back, but I, I don't want it back in that way. I just wish we could just get through this and maybe start from scratch, even if it means canceling the whole season. Well, and I and I think there's just other ways to do it. I mean, I here's the thing: they were talking about playing them, playing them without fans anyway. So I feel like that's why it made it easy to make this jump. And then they're like, "Well, all these teams have training facilities in Arizona, so it's already kind of set up." And, and which that's true, but there's a lot of teams that that have theirs in Florida. So I I don't really understand right. that dynamic. But I'm like, there's just other ways to if quarantining the players. I get it. You're you're just trying to you're trying to cut out that influence from outside. You mm-hmm. know, I go I go here and I get it, and then I bring it back to 40 of my friends. And that's that's not what you want. But, you know, there's all kinds of ways. You know, quarantine people at their locations, and and then, you know, you can, you can isolate. Because, again, it's a 40-man deal. You could have two personal jets for each team, you know, that, that's funded by, you know, whether it's the team or what have you. And you can you can shuttle you can go to location, you can play you go home, you know what I'm saying? You can do it in the framework that you already have and not try to to just cut it all. I I think more so their their interest is and it's not being exposed this way. Their interest is for for ease of broadcasting. If everybody's in Arizona, they feel like the you know maybe that side of it's a little safer. Yeah, and it basically would become a, a studio show. Yeah, yeah. Have you and watched wrestling lately? It's terrible. Which I, I mean, wrestling today is terrible anyway. But they're they're doing yeah. it. Uh, they're doing it in front of no one in a training facility, and uh, they still act like there's fans there. They still no, like it, try to hype so the fans bad. up. It's terrible. Right. The other thing too, Arizona. If you rank the states on the virus, that has one of the. Um, higher uh, focuses of um, um, the virus right now. And and that's 
concerning too. I mean, I mean, I'm still trying to get my hands around all this. I watch the updates every day, and it kind of gets confusing when you get to my age. But uh, I just think there are too many factors in here that well, make this work. I guess I'm being a pessimist. Well, no, and I go back to the the old saying. I mean, if you if it, if you can't do it well, why do it at all? Kind of deal. And and, and here's the deal because. It's not like this is a lockout year or this is a strike year or something like that. If it's not if it's not ready to be played, then it's not ready to be played, and, and just right. it needs to be treated as such. Yeah, it. Right. That that I agree with Freddie wholeheartedly. Not having the fans there, that's the kicker because one, there's that revenue that's not coming in, and then two, there, there's a lot of teams out there that do things throughout the game. What's the point of the mascot? You don't yeah. need a mascot out there. Who's you rallying? Well, and then um, in Washington, you wouldn't have to do the 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 big head races. You well, have to do uh, th- there was uh, <laughs> what was it? The Cubs when they what would they sing in the the seventh inning stretch? Yeah, or Boston. You know, yeah. what's Sweet the point Caroline? of that? Yeah, and, and it's just it, it, in my opinion, it'd be like a canned batting practice. Exactly. I mean, you could pretty much if you're going to do it this way. Then, then just cancel the season and broadcast the scrimmages. What they should do is they should have Bob Euchre out there going, listen, these fans get behind him, and it's just those guys yelling up into the microphones. Yeah. That's you have like a little can thing. thing. One thing that's been interesting, I watched um, a replay. Uh, I've been DVRing some of the old baseball games on MLB Network, and ESPN, and yesterday I watched the uh, Game 7 of the 1991 World Series when the Braves played the Twins. And I really enjoyed watching that again. And I've got a couple other games, um, too. I think I've got the the, seven, the 92 uh, Braves-Pirates game seven. Oh. The Sid Bream slide. <laughs> you know, I enjoy watching that. Hey, so Jeffy Jeff's a Pirates fan. Do you know that? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> he just he sat back in the chair and went, uh, okay, yeah. so the reason I did that, and it's so funny that you bring that up, is because I was in high school, and I had a teacher in high school, and he was a Cubs fan, and he knew I was a Pirates fan, and he brought in, he halted class to show us a video of, I think it was what, that was a home run that, that ended that game? And the no, Braves, it was a line drive. And, okay. Uh, it was It was basically what, it, what, it broke the Pirates. Because then 30 oh, yeah. years, we were <laughs> terrible, still terrible. So, yep. And yep. He, he was very happy to show that to everybody in class that day. Well, well Barry I mean. Bond's last game as a pirate. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it broke us completely. Yep. Antonio wow. Brown broke, like, same thing, broke us, whole team. Yep. <laughs> He's also a Steelers fan. He is, he is a fan of everything Pittsburgh except for the University of. Oh, okay. And he's a West Virginia fan. Don't know the connection, but <laughs> born there. No, I mean I know the connection uh, well, yeah, to West, West Virginia. West Virginia is Pirates and Steelers territory in the professional ranks. Yep. And See, I grew up in Eastern fits. Pennsylvania, so. And he fits. He gets it. <laughs> he's a part-time Tennessee yep. fan too. So I'm, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm about that. When when they pay me, I'm a yep. Tennessee fan. Yeah, right. When he's on the yep. payroll. <laughs> but Freddie, two two questions. One, uh, I don't know if you saw, but yesterday we had a uh, – you talked about you did some Maryville College baseball stuff. We had Tony Iruli yes. uh, yesterday on the show. He talked about uh, a, a situation. It was funny because it was baseball-related and really just a small snippet, but it was so funny. So Boone, 
I guess at some point was like a the team statistician at, at some rate. Yeah, he took my he took my place. So did so I don't know if this is going to have to go back and get changed in the record books or what have you. But uh, Tony was talking about a time where he just like creamed one and it went right to first base, hit his glove so hard and it dropped. And uh and and Boone wrote it down as an E6. Okay? Uh-huh. And uh, and so he beats out the throw. The guy gets it, and 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 Tony beats the throw. Well, when he comes back to Boone, he wants to check, and he said, he said, no, that's an infield hit. He said, no, he said it, yeah. he, he dropped it. It's an M, it, it was an E six, yeah. what have you? And he said, you know, it's funny. He said, time we got back to Maryville, it was an infield hit. He said I was persuasive, <laughs> and I was like, Boone, Boone, you were broken. That's the way to do Tony, it. Tony was pretty good. Uh, of course, Tony was not in school with me. He came in after I graduated, but I was working for the Times, and I, I covered that team. And uh, Tony was a very good baseball player as well as a, as a football player. Of course, he's related to Joe Girardi. Yeah, that, it's uh, his cousin, yeah. Tony was, was quite, a, quite a guy and uh, still is. And he's been doing well up at Carson Newman. Oh, yeah. Um, he had that unfortunate deal at Limestone where I think he kind of got put into a bad situation. I, I've been through those myself. I know how that works. But uh, And hopefully they'll be able to play this fall. I don't know what he said. but uh, Well, they've, they've, uh, they had one day of spring practice and haven't been back since. They've been communicating with the players, but really it's just uh... – it's just uh, do what do what you can to stay safe, and and they're they're kind of week by week, kind of like a lot of people. Well, yeah, I mean, I like I tell people, I go uh, I go day by day. Yeah, with my stuff. One thing I've tried to do, uh, you can still get into the walking trails. Uh, I've been able to get back to my walking two miles a day, which I started after I retired here two years ago, and then kind of got away from it. But I've been walking two miles every day for about a week now. And uh, I feel better. That's really good. Don't get near don't get near anybody, but I, I feel better. Right? Yeah. Me and my little boys, we uh, uh, one of my my oldest, he he's now riding a bicycle without training wheels. That was one of my big feats that we've completed. Mm-hmm. And so now we're I've uh, and, and you know you don't realize how uncomfortable a bicycle seat is until you've rode one for about three hours on a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I hear uh, you. But man, it's it's been real fun and, and talking a little bit. Uh, about some history, about some current events, and, and you know, just kind of hamming it up while things are kind of shut down. But always appreciate the call, Freddie. We're, we're right here at the top of the hour. We're going to have to get out of here. Always glad to help. Thank you, guys. Have hey. a good day. Thanks, See you, Freddie. Freddie. See you. Yeah. Freddie Baseball. We are right up here against the top of the hour. But, Jeff, man, always fun talking with Freddie because he knows so much. And, and the thing is, he's always got a really interesting opinion. And it's not just that's my opinion and just roll with it. I have this opinion because this, because baseball right. used to be this, and I've done this, and and so it's just a, it's a good dynamic to be able to show. And again, we're fans' perspective. And Freddie now, being in the media, he's now a fan. That's right. And so he he kind of has a, a very interesting perspective. And we talked a lot about it. But Jeff, we've run out of time just one more time. It goes fast. Thursday edition is complete, but don't miss top of the hour. Jason Swain and the Swain event in what is a block of sports right here on Rocky Top. 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKBL.com. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on.
WKVL.